TrekGeek is proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Stay tuned for release information and a special discount code good on your next order at Fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. Hi, this is Alexander Sadiq, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. the Where Are They Now Department at Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you all, humans, Klingons, Vulcans, Tellarites, and aliens alike, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. This is episode number 301. Wow. We're, we're getting into the next 100 episodes, uh, and, and it's exciting to do. Um We've been mothballed for a little bit, but more about that in a second as I welcome my slightly tolerable co-host. Mm. Um, I'd love to say that I've missed these weeks without him. Mm. I won't. He's Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome back, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've missed it. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to be back. Um, it's It's been, uh, I won't even say it, but it's it's been a while and I'm glad to be here. And it's exciting to be talking about Star Trek again and... And not worrying about everything else going on in the world. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we we talk about this in the outtake a little bit, but we didn't expect to be here at the end of June to only have done two brand spanking new episodes yeah. on the year. So we thank everybody for hanging with us and, and for all the kind words that people have sent in. Um, 2023 has been a bear, and it's a year that I'm sure we'll be happy to see behind us in six months or so yeah um but uh, here we are here we are and 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 to to continue with what you just said you know we've both been going through some some tough times recently and and when i was going through my tough stretch of a few months with my mom i gotta say one of the things that i really just could not believe was the outpouring of support from patreon members and listeners and friends on Facebook all just sending their best where, you know, hope everything's going well. I can't tell you all how much that meant to me during that difficult time. It really was amazing. And it is just proof of how the Star Trek family is a family. And I just want to pass along my thanks to every single person. Absolutely. Uh, there is no other fandom like Star Trek fandom on the planet. And that becomes something I'm reminded of every single day. Yeah. Um, in addition to all the the great checking in people did with Dan, you know, people have been reaching out to me as well. And I am extremely grateful for everybody that has. And even just the people who've been redis- rediscovering or discovering the podcast for the first time, because we still hear about brand new listeners 
just about every week. Yeah. And um, why people want to suffer through the first 300, I don't know. But here we are. Here we are. baby. We're starting, uh, you know, uh, we're working toward 400. I know. And I got I to gotta look at it this way, man. I know what, well, you know, I've had my my stretch of bad time in, in, in the year. Um, you're having some right now, but I got to say, I feel like I, I actually feel like there's a little bit of a weight lifted off my shoulders with everything that has been going on. It's not something that is continuing at this point. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into the swing of things and being able to record on a more, uh, normal basis. And to be honest, I got to say this, I think I said it to you once, which I would not have said before to the listeners. I didn't watch a lot of Star Trek during that time because even though yeah. I view Star Trek as a great escape, especially during my tumultuous times back in 1999 and 2000, I just didn't have the energy to sit and watch an episode uh, very often. So it was, um, it's something that I've missed and, and I'm definitely looking forward to doing it more and sitting in this chair with this microphone talking to you and, and telling all our listeners how stupid I am and how great looking you are and all that fun stuff. And mellifluous, don't forget the oh, mellifluous tonage. Um, we are going to guarantee that we are going to do five brand new episodes straight back to back to back to back to back before Vegas in five weeks. Yes. Um, so that's happening. So we'll at least, uh, we'll, we'll get a total of seven new episodes in on the year before we go to Viva Las Vegas, baby. I like baby. that. And, and if we really want to do it and so that we can have a little bit of a break, let's record seven episodes in a row one day and then we can just release them once a week. <laughs> I could not deal with looking at your face for seven straight hours in this uh, with, on this computer screen. Shut up! <laughs> just, why do you try? I, I didn't. Um, that just flew right out. Didn't even have to think plus, about it. <laughs> we're gonna have mobile gear in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna be recording at our booth in Vegas right? during the con at various points. So that should be interesting to see what comes up because we haven't really decided exactly what we're gonna record there. Um, but who knows? We're gonna wing it. May do some, you know, person on the street type stuff. You yeah, never know. Just, you know, Frakes walks by. Hey, Frakesy, come on over here. Let's talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> Ooh, challenge accepted. I dare you. He's going to be like, who the F are you? <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, Dan mentioned that that I had some stuff going on. Um, I, I'm happy to disclose it. I, I honestly don't mind who, you know, people knowing. I got laid off less than a week ago. Yeah. My, my job of eight years. Mm-hmm. Um from the company that, well, we both worked for up yep. until about a handful of days ago. Yep. And you're still there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I am. Uh, I'm not sure I'm who's the, the benefactor in that, though. I know. <laughs> I, I think I I think I made out a little better. Mine have, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, people have always been asking me, did you see it coming? Uh, no, then it, it, it probably wouldn't be a layoff. Right. True. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, I'm seeing mine coming because I bet you anything they're not done. So. Yeah, that's probably true, yep. and it's a sad state of it is. of business today. But it is what it is. That's right. You can pour your heart and your soul into uh, into a job, and uh, and try to make things a little better than how you found them, and um, and and this is what happens in the end. Mm-hmm. So, the more I stay in technology, the more I realize people leave one of two ways. Unless you're at like you know vice president level, right? Those people retire. Yes. The rest of us worker bees. We either leave to do something we really want to do or that we're passionate about, or we get laid off. Right. And that's just the the, the realistic, you know, observation. So uh, on to bigger and better things. 
Um, I, I'm sure that I have no there will doubt. be something else soon and mm-hmm. I will guarantee I will make it the best thing ever because that's what I'm going to do. That's the way to look at it, man. And I'm sure that wherever you go, they will be the better for it. Well, thank you. Hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, the best thing ever, let's do a little business with America, you and I. What do you think? That's the best thing ever. Your face is the best thing ever. That's the best. Okay, that I'm going to make my ringtone. <laughs> for me to poop on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm quoting Triumph the Insult Comic Dog there. Please don't at me. (laughs) Dan, of course, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Absolutely. I have missed them. You know, as always, they continue to produce high-quality pin after high-quality pin, and their latest releases are fan-sets-tastic. Uh, right now, from the amazing universe of Trek pin line, you can get Dr. Hugh Culber from Discovery, Jayla from Star Trek Beyond, Captain Picard from The Next Generation, and Gwyn from oh, Star Trek Prodigy, all right now yeah. at fansets.com. Additionally, the beautiful Gold Delta from Picard Season 3 is now available in mini form great for ties and lapels and the one and only enterprise d is now available as the latest release in the master ships collection and i'm going to let you know a little secret dan mm. the folks at fansets are working on some top secret stuff for the upcoming convention in las vegas but sadly none for you oh so suck it so you know what i'm going to say next friends Get on over to fansets.com. Get all those pins that Dan just mentioned, you know, like the uh, the Jayla and the Captain Picard and the Gwen and Dr. Culber. Put those all in your cart and then add a few more. And then check out, use the special discount code TrekGeeks for 10% off your entire order. That's TrekGeeks in all capital letters with no spaces. And of course, don't forget, when you spend more than $30 at fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Well, Dan. Bill. It's amazing that we're actually going to talk Star Trek. For the Star Trek? In a long time. I know. I love the Millennium Falcon. I do too. <laughs> The, the Serenity, I love that joke. No, nobody loves Firefly. Um, God, that joke never gets old. It doesn't. It doesn't. Eight like years. You. Eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. Joke doesn't get old. Um, I know. I'm very old, I assure you. Yes. Um, so, you know, we've wanted to talk about this episode for a while. Uh, and we've put it off and we've had to reschedule many times. But this week we're going to consider the premiere episode of Star Trek Discovery, The Vulcan Hello. And I, I think it's important to look at as we you know, deal with the news that the upcoming season of Discovery will be its last. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to jump back and look at that original pilot with fresh eyes. What do you think? Yeah, I I totally agree. It's, it was, that was another thing that's happened over the course of this, this year is that we found out that Discovery season five was, instead of it being season five, it was changed to the final season of Discovery. So this will be it. Um, So it is interesting that we're going to go back and look at this episode. And when I rewatched it really for the first time in several years, uh, just last week, I tried to do it two ways. I tried to do it as if I had never seen seasons one through four, and I tried to do it remembering all the things that we've seen in one through four to see how it would hold up. And I really found it interesting how I was 
reviewing things in my head as this episode played out. I'm really excited to talk about this because as we've talked about when Discovery first came out, this is the first live action Star Trek that we got in a real long time and we were super excited for it. Yeah, it debuted September 24th, 2017. So like what, 12 years mm-hmm. after Enterprise went off the air? Um, it's it's the first of Discovery's episodes, the teleplay uh, by Brian Fuller and Akiva Goldsman, the story by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman, and directed by David Samel. Yes. Um, it, it I remember watching it with great anticipation because this was the first time in since 1969. Yes that Star Trek would appear on network television. Mm -hmm. Now, before people say, well, next generation, next generation was in syndication. It may have appeared on affiliates for networks like ABC stations or NBC stations or whatever across the country. But this was on CBS television in prime time. And that was jaw dropping for all of us old school fans. Another interesting tidbit tying back to the original series, which I just recently find out, found out about. This was the first episode of live action Star Trek since Turnabout Intruder that did not involve Rick Berman. Oh, wow. And that's kind of incredible when you think of all the Star Trek that took place between Turnabout Intruder and Discovery. That's a lot of Star wow. Trek. And it was the first one that did not have him since Turnabout Intruder. That's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, I, I will say one thing, and, and I like to tease you about this, but it is it is something that I wish had not happened. Um, I got to go out to L.A. for this premiere. And one of the things that strikes me, and I know we're going to get into the episode, but it, this is the first thing that strikes me, is the cinematic of this television show. The very first scene when we see the galaxy pretty much through Takuma's eyes and that pullback so that you get to see his face – that just was the the opening moments of what was going to be an unbelievable production in terms of special effects and scope and size. And that's one of the things that stood out to me right from the get-go. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that that opening tease with Klingons that look very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, let's just get this out of the way now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, love the new Klingons or hate the new Klingons. They're the Klingons. Right. I... I'm not a fan of the way they look. Yep. I have, I think I, I, if I recall correctly, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm fine with it. I like them. As I have gone through the years with Discovery and, and other Trek, and especially now with the beginning of season two of Strange New Worlds, I'm not a big fan of the way that they made this change. Now, granted, they made, it's, they're, they're Klingons. You just said, it is Star Trek canon. They're Klingons. Nobody yep. can argue that. If you want to be pissed at the way they look, fine. They're still Klingons. Sorry. But it's just that little niche that they did for this series, and they did it. And it is what it is. And that's not to trash the makeup artists or designers in any way, Mm -hmm. because ultimately this was approved by, at the time, I'm sure Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman. Right. So, uh, you know, if if people want to blame, that's probably where you want to (laughs) look, but... Um, I, I'm, I don't mean to slight the makeup artists at all. No, cause they're fantastic. Um, they, you know, love them or hate them. The makeup, the design is pretty spectacular on screen. Yep. They do look amazing as aliens. Yes, they really do. Yeah. Um, and, and <laughs> Takuma looks, <laughs> that's been a while since I've done that. Um, <laughs> looks menacing. He does. He really looks menacing. And, you know, he starts off with this speech and, you know that it's going to go down before too long because 
Takuvma and the Klingons that are falling under his banner are looking for war. Exactly. We come in peace. I mean, it's it's just it's a great opening. I, I was going to do the whole beginning that he does in Klingon, but I don't. I didn't memorize that. Just the <laughs> English part. Um, but it's it. Yeah, it, it. They are looking for a fight, and they're going to find it one way or another. Um, they're going to get you, get you, get you, get you. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to be quoting Blondie while we're doing the show. I don't want you to be quoting quoting <laughs> Blondie either. God. <laughs> um, I. Let's get into this right away, too, because we just talked about the look of the Klingons. We wanted to get that out of the way. It is really a shame that in this episode of Discovery, the first one we've seen in years of Star Trek, that they kill off two great characters right off the bat. Takuvma and the captain. It just really is a shame. And I will bet you, based on the popularity of of Giorgio and everything that happened afterwards, that they wish they hadn't done that. I really yeah. do. I, I hope I wish they hadn't done it because I really wanted more of Captain Philippa Georgia. Yeah. Um, because just in the bit that we saw, there there was so much there and she seemed like such a great character. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, I you know, when she's on the bridge, you know, and Burnham says, Is this really necessary? And she's like, It's not necessary, but I do like it or I do enjoy <laughs> it. I'm like, wow, she's got she's really gonna hand it right back to Burnham. Like, too yep. bad. Um, agreement for my senior officers note the date and time (laughs) (laughs) i i love that she's so comfortable as in in that chair already that you know she has the makings of a great leader in my mind and i think i said this in discovering trek when when we first recorded it god six years ago wow that um i know right that i I could see georgia being kind of uh an inspiration to somebody like jean-luc picard yeah. Um, just in the way she handles things with the way that she deals with her crew. Um, I, I can absolutely see that because, I mean, we find out later she's one of Starfleet's greatest captains. You get a sense with her in just this one episode that she's more than just a captain. She doesn't have that that distance factor that we've seen from so many captains over the years in Star Trek. She's a teacher. She is very close to Michael. She has a good time with her crew. Now, we haven't seen, we've seen that a little bit with Pike and Strange New Worlds. We haven't really seen, we didn't see it with Kirk. We didn't see it with, well, we did a little bit with Kirk, but we didn't see it really at all with, with Picard. And Janeway had to kind of, had, kind of really had a balancing act. This was the first time, especially that first scene in the desert when they're walking and, and around and talking, how she's still teaching Michael stuff after all these years and how by learning these things, she can become a great captain. I thought that was a great aspect of, of Philippa. And, and, you know, we got to see, Philippa Moore, the the Emperor version, it just wasn't the same. As great as as great as it was to see that acting, it just wasn't the same as what we could have gotten with with the prime Philippa, so to speak. Well, and let's let's talk about that opening sequence with Giorgio and Burnham, where they're walking through that desert. That was filmed in the country of Jordan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the. I remember when they announced that. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're gonna be kidding me. They actually sent resources across the ocean to Jordan to film a scene. For a Star Trek TV show. Which was only going to be uh, five minutes long. Uh, unreal. Yeah. Yep. It's never happened before, and it sure as hell isn't going to happen 
now. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a, it's a good introduction scene for these two characters, I think, also. Um, I mean, we don't know, of course, we don't know any of the history with Michael and her and, and how she grew up and, and the relationship that these two have other than being a first officer and a captain, but it really is a great opening scene. Now, the one thing that I love about this scene, but also hate about the scene is the whole walking the Delta. You know, we can talk, we can argue about that <laughs> until we're blue in the face. That's just, okay. The wind's blowing. There's a storm. That Delta ain't going to survive, yo. It's going to be blown no, away, yeah. <laughs> but it still was great to see. <laughs> it, it made for great television. It did. It really did. I agree that it would not have lasted. It wouldn't have lasted. And see, that's something that we also didn't get a lot in Star Trek over the years, a little bit more with Voyager, but not is, is a starship coming down from orbit and being right there in, in front of you in the sky instead of being in space. And that was kind of a cool uh, little opening scene to see the uh, Shenzhou for the first time. Especially when there's a storm coming. Uh-huh. Oh, they came a right through sand it. Sand storm. Mm, well, they have deflectors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got deflectors. I have to say, I love the design of the Shenzhou. Yeah, especially the bridge. Um, I love the underslung bridge. Are you kidding me? Cool. I always wondered why the bridge was deck one mm-hmm. and on top. Because if I'm like Dangerous. the enemy, I'm going to aim for that. Yep. Yep. I'm not going to aim for the engines. I'm not going to aim for you know engineering. I'm going to aim for where the orders are coming from. Right. Th- that's the bridge. And it looks great. It looks fantastic. And especially it's the first time we've seen this modern bridge, even though it's in the past. But when they come, the camera comes through the glass, which is a great special effect in that opening yeah. scene. Yeah. And then you get to see the space of that bridge and how shiny and dark, which is something that comes up more and more in, in Star Trek these days. It just looks fantastic. I loved it. I love it. I think, I think it has to be dark to look that good mm-hmm. for today's televisions, honestly. I agree. I mean, People are going to say, well, what about Star Trek Picard? Well, yeah, but it was still lit differently than it was in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that with these displays that they're using, I, it, I think it has to look different, quite frankly. Yeah. And honestly, I worked in an operations center for a long time, uh, one that had lots of screens and a giant video wall, and you needed it a little dark It'd in the room, so you weren't dark. getting yep. glare off the monitor right. all the time. Yep. So I, I get it. I get it. I'm good with it. So this episode and the next one, Battle of the Binary Stars, are actually part of a, a two-episode prologue, right. by the way, also something that wouldn't happen today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even, we're, we're just cracking the, you know, the or scratching the surface with Discovery. We're not even getting into the actual series arc. Um, this is a story that they thought was important to tell before all of that. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that we only really get to see four characters when you think about it. In in like you know in strong strong TV presence, we get Saru, we get the captain, we get Burnham, and we get Takuvma. That's really all that there is. And you do see Sarek for a few minutes, but that's really the focus. You never see the ship that the show is named after. You don't you don't even yeah. see the the discovery, um, and it is interesting that we do get you know a lot of times there'll be like a four part comic book series to do the prologue of a new Star Trek show which we've right. seen before, um, so it was kind of interesting that we did get this, and I, I it I, it works because I I I can say that if we started with episode three as the first episode, a lot of people would be scratching their heads because they, if they had like a little scroll thing like Star Wars saying what had happened in the Klingon War right. and she was arrested, right. everybody would be like, huh, what? You know, yell shark and we got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. I mean, it's one of those type of moments. Are you quoting Joss? I am, yes. I just, oh God, I hate you so much. Um, not only does this, this pilot look good, 
but it actually moves the action along or the story along even at a very nice pace. I was amazed at how well constructed the pace was for this episode when I went back and watched it again for the first time a couple of months ago. Um, that scene where she encounters the the Klingon torchbearer on mm-hmm. the outer hall yep. um, is really great, but it, it's it's almost a little too good. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I loved. The, I loved the, the that scene. If there's anything that I have to take from that and be like, okay, I'm really not too sure about this, is just the whole ship being made out of coffins that's kind of that's kind of like a a strange aspect of of what's going on i mean granted we don't know a lot about the klingons you know thoughts of afterlife but um and the just the gigantic size of that ship is also something that was just kind of like wow the torchbearer scene was awesome he's menacing i like how the computer was able to recognize the the uh, klingon uh logo or the delta so to speak and and Oops for Burnham for hitting the wrong thruster, I guess. Because maybe if she hit the backwards thruster, nothing would have, none, none of this would have happened. But she hit the wrong one and killed the guy. <laughs> well, I mean, it, he clearly was there to challenge her. You know, true. I mean, as we said at the beginning, is the Klingons are looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. That's why he's there. Right. Um, and they're going to, you know, do whatever they can to start this war. I, I, <laughs> I, I have to say that I, I think that it could have been Burnham on that hollow. It could have been Giorgio. It could have been Saru. Yeah, yeah, it could have been anybody. Um, either way, somebody was dying on that hull. Yeah. Actually, you know what? The, this the, That ship was not the ship that had all the sarcophagus and coffins. It was the other ship, the sarcophagus ship. This was the torch ship, correct? If I remember correctly? Cause it, yeah, because it, it, the wings went up and everything, kind of like the sun yeah. Um So my mistake on that. But it still, it looked old and creepy. Since you brought up the sarcophagus ship, can, can I just, can I really say one thing? I don't think the Klingons would do that. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> because <laughs> the, the, to the they, Klingons, the body is just a shell. Yeah. And they're going to stall Why the would core. they adorn their, you know, the hull of their ship with a bunch of coffins from dead Klingons? I don't, from, I don't understand. From a long stretch of time. They said, I yeah. think she said there were hundreds of years or did she say thousands? I can't remember. Thousands wouldn't make sense, but um, um, there's a lot. There's there's some old Klingons there from the state of decay. I think they said, yeah, right, yeah. That was that is kind of a weird notion. I think you know it made it look kind of cool. So maybe that's why I decided to do it, just because it would be a great visual um, and a great talking point. Because here we are talking about it. But yeah, it does seem to go against other things that we have learned about the Klingons through the ages of of Star Trek. Yeah, and I. I mean, I'm sure and that's a minor thing too, to mm-hmm. me, right? Like I'm not sitting here going, oh, this episode sucks because of that. Right. I'm not saying that at all. I think this is a great episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it brings us to the beginning of the non-episodic era of Star Trek where we can kind of look at this episode in a vacuum, but the story's not over. Yeah. You know, there's still- not by long shot. No, or at least for, for this aspect, for this story, the Battle at the Binary Stars- there's still one more episode to complete this part of the saga, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can only look at what they show us in this episode. Um, but uh, let's go to Burnham for a second. Because this is the first time in Star Trek that the captain has not been the central figure of a Star Trek series. Correct. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But I really like that aspect. I love it. Love the it. captain doesn't have to be the central figure. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that we got 
an amazing talent in that role with Sonequa Martin-Green as Burnham. She is amazing. You know, it's amazing because I was watching Walking Dead at the time that this all happened when it was announced that she was going to be in it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, can will she be able to do this? Because I see what she's doing in Walking Dead. I just, man, I don't, is that going to work right in Star Trek? Oh man, was I wrong? Because she, she, I've always, I've always loved Sonequa in this role. Now, granted, I know that there's been time that I've, I've cried about it. Uh, I say that tongue in cheek about the fact that she's always so emotional in some of the seasons, but that's all, that's all, you know, under the rug now. I, I think she just does a fantastic job. It's, it's obvious that she felt that this may be her most important role of her career that she's ever had. And she, she, I, personally feel that she loves this role and you can tell right from that first scene on the planet uh that they filmed in jordan she really loves it and i love how she's able to play with different aspects just a second ago i talked about the emotions that she shows but in the beginning of this series she's trying to be more vulcan because she was raised on vulcan and you can see that she talks like a vulcan and being specific about time with minutes and hours and seconds and it's kind of neat that Later on in this episode, she's enjoying that spacewalk, and Philippa actually says she's having fun. And it's just, it's interesting. That's something that the crew, the crew probably doesn't see very often, other than when she's bickering with Saru, which is another topic for in a few minutes. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think Michael is a, is a great character for the franchise. And just the, just the fact itself that she's not the captain at this point, I think is an important part of it. You know, I, I, I want to say one thing about that before I move on to, to the point I had in mind, if I don't forget it by the time I get there. <laughs> and that is that spacewalk scene where she's sort of jetpacking toward the, the disturbance and she yes. does start, you know, laughing. I think that's really the moment where I fell in love with Sinequa in this role and with Burnham. Mm-hmm. because you could tell that's what Star Trek is about. It's about that discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, no pun intended. It's about that going where we haven't gone before and just for it to manifest itself that way as her having fun, I thought was the best choice for the character, you know, Barnum, especially no uh, Barnum. <laughs> Sorry. I hate um, you. <laughs> I, it, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a male sexist jerk right now, but the close-ups when they show her eyes, she's got the best eyes in television. Just she she just I could they they're just hypnotic, and so when she's in that suit and she's looking at the at the HUD display and everything, I just I I'll, I just love those scenes. I could pause that and have it as my wallpaper. She's just she's just beautiful. So, going back to the point I was going to make originally, it's like yeah. the people who complain about her crying too much. Um, I'm over that. I, I'm sorry, but I, I've been over it since day one because this is a human mm-hmm. who doesn't know how to human right yet, not yep. fully. Yep. So. Uh, while Discovery is the name of the ship and it's their job to discover things, the discovery to this series for me, and I've said this since day one on Discovering Trek, is Burnham discovering her humanity along this journey. And part of that is learning how to be a human among humans. Mm -hmm. And that's still a challenge for her. And I, I think that that's important. She doesn't have control of all these emotions and honestly what human does. I mean, I cry at coffee commercials for God's sake. You know, um, it's like, oh my, or a story I like Good Morning America where somebody does something nice for dogs. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, that was so nice. <laughs> you know, she's human. Let her have the emotions. So yeah. that sort of, you know, ridiculous argument that she cries too much is just something I've always hated. 
Yeah, I, I do remember that I was complaining about that for a little while, but you're right. It is something that, you know, looking at it as she's been trying to suppress her emotions most of her life, um, yeah. and she doesn't know how to deal with them when they come on as strong as they do, so it makes perfect sense. So I'm 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 over that part as well. Absolutely. So since we've we've entered into that discussion, let's talk about why she did that, and that's because she was rescued by Sarek. Mm-hmm. As a child. And that's another thing that sent people into an uproar. Sarek doesn't have a daughter. Well, you're right. Logically, technically, he doesn't have a daughter. Right. He has a foster daughter. Exactly. I mean, that's that's just the most Vulcan thing ever. You're right. I do not have a daughter. <laughs> um, I thought that was an interesting choice at the time, but I really like the way it's played out. And I really loved the casting of James Frain as Sarek. Because I thought that he just inhabited the role beautifully. He really did. I remember seeing him um, when uh, Sue and I watched True Blood. And I loved him in that role, too, because he was a whack job in True Blood. Um, but to see him as Sarek was great. Now, I will say, looking at it through two different veils, like I said at the beginning uh, when we started recording, is I look at the role of Sarek and the, and the whole having a daughter slash foster daughter, but he never has one. He never talked about it. I do like how they wrapped that thread up later on down the series with Discovery and how that they had to keep it top secret because of control and all that stuff. So I do like how they finally did answer that piece of... um, Oh my God, I'm thinking, what's the, the retro canon? I can't think of what it's called right now. I, retcon? I'm, retcon, thank you. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got, I got most you, of it right. <laughs> you said both of the words. <laughs> you just didn't I just, make a shorter version uh, of it. See, it's been a while since I've recorded. Um, so I did like that, and, and he is great. I mean, um, right from the beginning, I thought he was a good a good Sarek, um, and uh he did Sarek proud. He did he did Mark proud by by what he did uh, in this role. And even though we're only talking about the Vulcan hello right now, I'm really kind of bummed that we have not seen him anymore uh, in subsequent seasons. Yeah, it, it's I understand. Yeah. Um, I I like how much we see him in this season. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. Lethe, which happens later in season one, I think it's episode eight, is probably one of my favorite Discovery episodes. Great, uh, written great by the episode. the fantastic Ted Sullivan. Yep. And uh, by Joe Manoski from Voyager fame, mm-hmm. um, among other things. But um, I, I think that this Sarek is, I hate to say this because it's going to make it sound like I don't like Mark Leonard, but this Sarek seems a little more likable in a few ways and completely unlikable in others. Yeah, I think that might be because we didn't get to see enough of Mark Leonard's Sarek over the years. Yeah. We only saw him in one episode and two movies briefly. I mean, so yeah. uh, so we didn't get to really see see it. I think this allowed the character to grow more. Even if people were pulling their hair out over certain things about it, I really think that this was a way for uh, a Trek legend to really grow in the scope of his character. And I think that Frayne did a great job of it. Absolutely. So let's talk about really kind of really the pivotal moment in this episode. We all know that war is brewing. We all know the Klingons are going to start some stuff, but Burnham essentially mutinies against her captain to try to give the Vulcan or give the Klingons a Vulcan hello, which is essentially to punch him in the mouth first because the Klingons respect violence. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and she tur- she turns on her captain. She still not quite sure how she learned the Vulcan nerve pinch, but that's another story for another time. Um, but she essentially tries to pull an end run on Giorgio, and it doesn't go so well for her. No, I'm not really sure I liked how quickly that all occurred. Now, we could blame Sarek for that happening because he's the one who told her what the Vulcans did in the past when they were uh, attacked by the Klingons and the ship was destroyed, and then they decided that was never going to happen again. So when they ran into the Klingons again, they attacked. So it was kind of Sarek planted the idea, and he did say that you weren't going to like this idea. So I'll give him that the credit for that. But then it just seemed that it was like, instantaneous like that's exactly what she was going to do and to hell with the relationship that she's had with the captain and her crew over the last seven years that was one part of the the episode i was like oh i don't know if that was if that's something i agree with no i'm right there with you I, i think that it's weird advice for an ambassador to give period regardless of whether he's her her foster father stepfather or whatever and I'll yeah. add to that, even someone who he knows because he raised her can have issues with impulsiveness impulsiveness, and acting on emotions that she doesn't necessarily understand or have control over. Yeah. So, uh, you know, she got you know, daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> who among us doesn't? Um, it's, it's an interesting choice because Giorgio has essentially been sort of a um, another mother figure in her life. I mean, other than Amanda, yeah, uh, Grayson, you know, Sarek's wife. You know, Giorgio has helped her in an important, you know, era of her development as a human. So, uh, it, it, I think it's it's even more of a betrayal in that sense. Perfect word. And, and I think that Giorgio not only feels that way, but I'm sure Michael does too, because she doesn't want to do this. Yeah, and you feels it's the only way to save everybody. Betrayal is such a great word, Bill, because you know you can see it in Giorgio's face when she comes out of the ready room, when she's regained consciousness with the phaser. She can't believe that her first officer just did this, and I, it's again, it's 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 so illogical for her to make that move, but at the same time, it's based on something that a logical Vulcan told her about. It's a catch twenty two, I think, for her. Yeah. No, I agree I with you. I don't know. So they are set upon a course that they cannot come back from. Mm-hmm. You know, these events are happening, whether they want them to or not. The only question now is, will they survive them? Right. You know, uh, shortly after that giant beacon goes off, blinding everybody and their mother, um, <laughs> Klingon ships start coming in. Let me, let me say. That scene. Yeah. That scene with all the Klingon <laughs> ships and the Shenzhou. Yeah. It's like, Oh bleep. Not only is it oh bleep to just see the scope, and that's what I talked about at the beginning, the scope of what we're going to see. I got to say, and they've been doing it ever since, I freaking love the way that ships come out of warp in in New Trek. I love the noise it makes, and I love how they're just like, Ert! those inertial dampeners are working overtime when those things come out of warp. <laughs> Be- I just love the way it looks. And here's another thing that I didn't realize until just the other day when I watched this. When I was out in Hollywood and we watched it, they did the first two episodes without a break. So it wasn't a cliffhanger like this was. So when oh. they all warped in and then it just zoomed out and you saw the Shenzo with 50 or 60 Klingon ships staring down at her and it ended, I'm like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. I didn't realize that was the end of the episode one. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing that they edited it together as, as a, they like, really did a, great a two job. hour movie for you guys. That's yep. awesome. Yep. 
Um, I did not have that experience, uh, but that's just me. Yeah, um, it was just you because everybody else. Was and wow, <laughs> wow, there's. I think we have to. We're we're making a big mistake if we don't talk about Saru. Oh, I was going to be talking about him. Oh yeah, obviously he's he's. We've come to learn he's my favorite character in Discovery. I have a special connection to Saru, but Saru kind of this phase of his 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 life in Star Trek is a very different character. We've never seen a character, you know, that's been competent mm-hmm. and afraid of everything. everything. We've seen somebody like Reg Barkley, mm-hmm. who is his competency has been questionable at times. Right. Um, but ultimately he's a good officer, but Saru is, you know, the, the second officer of this vessel the science officer. Fantastic officer. And, um, he's got spidey sense. He does. And we actually see that spidey sense, which was kind of at the first time I saw it, I'm like, what the heck was that? Is that a glitch in the, in the, in the show or something? It was kind of cool. One of the things I loved a, a love about Saru, and we talked about this before the show even aired, I could tell that Saru was going to be my Odo of this show. Yeah. I really thought he was going to be. So he's got Odo from Deep Space Nine in his character. And I love the McCoy Spock headbutting between him and Burnham in this episode. I really thought it was done without making it an in your face bonk bonk on the head uh, relationship. And I thought it really worked. Doug Jones, he is just, not only is he one of the best human beings on the face of this earth he is a damn good actor he does so much covered in pounds and pounds of latex and you never get to see the real him and he makes this character emotional believable wonderful and he continues to be my favorite character on star trek discovery you know i have to say everybody you know from georgia to burnham to saru to to kuvma to Laurel, to uh, to Vogue, Son of Nan, they're all perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that in hindsight, but you know, if you look at the way these characters interact and how easily these people fall into those characters, uh, they they clearly were the perfect choices for these roles, especially Sonequa Martin Green. Yeah, I don't think that can be you know overstated because she truly makes this show what it is. I could see, I can see her, even though it's, it's going to, it's going to last five seasons. So it's going to be longer than the original series. She is going to be remembered as the, you know, as like William Shatner is to TOS and, and Patrick Stewart is what every captain has been to each of the series. She is the face of discovery. She is the face of Star Trek for the modern age, to be honest. Um, I don't think that um, when Discovery came out and and then the other shows, even when Picard came out, I still think Sonequa was the <laughs> torchbearer for yeah. Star Trek. And, and, and I think it's something that she recognizes and she is very proud of. And I, even though Discovery is going to end, I still think she's going to have that, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but she's still going to have that importance for her show as all those other people that I mentioned a minute ago. I, I, I do not disagree with you one bit. I think that she is going to be looked to for a long time as an important and pivotal person in the Star Trek universe, um, simply for her portrayal of Burnham and what she brought to the franchise. Plus, when you couple it with the fact that she is genuinely one of the kindest and nicest people we've ever met in Star Trek, personally, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that says a lot. You know, she's not just at these signings, you know, with her head down, 
you know, just signing stuff and handing it back. She engages with fans. I made her cry. And I think that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she she genuinely listens to them and actively listens. And I just, I cannot say enough great things about Sonequa. That's something that I also love about, not only about Sonequa and and Doug, but but other people that have been involved in Discovery and New Trek. Their part of the social media age which nobody really was before because it wasn't really around you know of course decay's got this huge following but it's it wasn't around when they were doing the shows they are they engage with social media and they're excited to be there to meet the fans that love the, the franchise so much and i think that's something that stood out to me immediately when we went to the first convention where discovery people were is how excited they all were they were just as excited as we were to be there as as you could imagine. Um, yeah. And I think that that's something that has continued to this day since uh, since that first time we saw everybody at a convention. You know, and we like to look at Memory Alpha before we, we talk about an episode, and, and this one is no exception. Um, something I didn't know until reading this in Memory, Memory Alpha was that the uh, the cast members playing the Shenzhou Bridge crew were supplied with bios that David Mack yeah. had about their roles. I had no idea. I know he's he's done some stuff with Prodigy, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it's really cool that he got brought in to flesh out some of those character backstories for those actors, so they had something to work with. Yeah, that's kind of neat. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, he wrote that. He wrote. It was what was the name of the novel? I think it was uh, Desperate Hours. Was the tie-in novel that came yes. out right around the time? So he had all of their stories kind of started. Um, so they were handed that stuff on the set to look over so that they kind of had an idea what they were going to be portraying. And that's kind of cool. I love David Max fantastic anyway. So that's kind of cool that he's involved in it like that. Now, before this episode ever aired, there was so much drama going on in the production of this series. Mm -hmm. Lots of drama. Originally, Brian Fuller hired to create and show run Star Trek Discovery. Yep. Um, before the show ever premiered, um, he was replaced. Yes. He was essentially told, uh, thanks, but no, Mm -hmm. because he really had way too much going on, especially with American gods filming, I think at the studio next door. Mm -hmm. Um, however, during pre-production Fuller and CBS clashed over who should direct the episode. CBS wanted David Simmel. Fuller didn't think he was the right guy, so he approached multiple alternative directors, including Edgar Wright. CBS wound up hiring David Simmel against Fuller's wishes, according to Entertainment Weekly. Huh. Um, I had no idea. Wow. We've talked a little bit about the drama that took place before the show even aired and and the the internal battles that were taking place ab- about what they started that they wouldn't be able to back off of because it's all the time, money and stuff invested in how this was going to be. Um, you don't see that come across on the screen, which is, I think the most important thing, um, regardless of all the stuff going on in the writer's room or in the executive offices, once the cameras are rolling, that all has to go away and there can't be any problem. And, and we, you know, any good show is going to do that, but you know, they're able to deal with it in a pretty exceptional way. I think. Well, and it makes me wonder, I mean, was that happening really part of the original problem with some of what people complained about with Discovery? You know, should it have been said in this time frame that it was? Exactly. That's the main you know, that's the main thing I was talking about. Shouldn't it have been 
after the TNG era mm-hmm. or something in the future. Um, you know, they'll say he stepped down, but let's be honest, he was fired. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it, it's rare that somebody steps down from a show gig, <laughs> um, especially one that's Star Trek, one right. that he lobbied to create for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it being what it is, uh, apparently he wanted initially a serialized show at first, um, kind of like American Horror Story. Yep. He then wanted, from what I understand, and this is all like f- fifth and sixth hand, he wanted the first season of Discovery to be uh, 10 episodes in the Mirror Universe, not like three. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, which I think would have been an even bigger mistake than I going love, there in the first season. I love the Mirror place. Universe, and that would have been way too much. Um, but it seemed like that there was just a lot of conflict that we don't normally hear about at the start of a Star Trek episode or Star Trek show. And you're right. The fact that you really don't see that on screen in the pilot is really kind of flabbergasting to me because it, it shouldn't be as good as it is knowing everything that was going on. It's a credit to the cast and the, and the art that they perform, I think. Well, and David Samel, the director. And the director. And Brian Fuller yep, didn't want. And yeah, and the people behind, <laughs> all the people behind the camera, all the people that weren't involved in all that infighting who were, who were doing the show because it's their passion and it's how they make their living. So yeah, absolutely. I have to say that we can't get out of talking in this episode without talking about the music and theme by Jeff Russo. Jeff. Yeah. Um, I, I, at first I wasn't sure how I felt about the Star Trek discovery opening theme. Um, now I actually kind of love it. It's awesome. We hung out with him <laughs> <laughs> and my phone's ringing in the background. Oh, okay. Is it the discovery theme? Cause that would have oh. been kind of eerie. Um, yeah, he, he's, he does great. He does great work. And that, we've talked about it before. It's important that the music is a character in the show. Um, and we're just talking about the opening credits right now, and it and it's fantastic. Um, yeah. uh, Star Trek has always been great with the strings. It's always been great with the percussion, um, and this is no different. It's subtle. The what if there's and I know what you're gonna say. The one thing that I don't love about the Discovery opening credit music is, in my opinion, and I this is just me, and people can be mad at me. I feel that the the Alexander Courage is shoehorned fanfare. At, at fanfare is shoehorned at the end, and it just doesn't fit there for me. I, that's just my opinion. I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees, but other than that, it is fantastic music. I I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think it's kind of emblematic of where Discovery fits in the timeline of Star Trek mm-hmm. because it comes in before that particular era. You know, with the Tiboligo where no yeah. one has gone before, no yeah. man has gone before in that case in the 60s. But I, I think it's the, th- I think the discovery theme, at least to me, represents what occurs before we become familiar with that fanfare. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I personally don't agree with that, but I get that you see it that way. In now, I, I, I do agree that it's in the right spot of the opening credits because it's when they show created by Gene Roddenberry. So it's that callback mm-hmm. to the original series. I just feel that with how the, the the music flows during the first minute and a half, those four p- bars of music seem to be disjointed from the rest of the theme, at least to me. Okay. Well, I'd agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. Um <laughs> Did I say that out loud? (laughs) You did. You did. So I remember when this episode ended on CBS that that Sunday night, I think it was. 
I don't remember. Uh, I saw it, it a few aired. nights before. Shut up. Um, <laughs> and because only the first episode was airing on CBS, but both yep. episodes were premiering that night. Yep. So you had to jump on over real quick to CBS All Access mm-hmm. to see the rest of it if you didn't want anything spoiled. Right. And I remember going from <laughs> I remember going from CBS to CBS All Access, Uh-oh. and the episode wasn't there. And I'm like trying to refresh and trying to refresh. And I'm like, damn it, where's the episode? <laughs> I had to, on my Fire TV, I had to exit the app. I had to force stop it. I had to clear the cache. God. I had to reopen it. Um, and finally it showed up. But I thought that that was interesting. Um, the way that they would tease, say, oh, if you want to watch the rest, head on over to CBS All Access today. Weren't there also like horrible problems with the first couple of weeks where the episode was just like fail and because of the load, so many people were were watching it that it would just like crash? Partly. They had a problem with a third party content ah. distribution network. Um, so some people had no problems playing it while others had significant problems. Playing oh, okay. It. Yep. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of worked that out. I think maybe they used Akamai as their, their CDN. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we're getting into nerd speak for, for everybody <laughs> that's tuned out. Um, we'll just call it the the platform where the videos actually play from. There you go. Um, so yeah, so the, it was not the easiest of, of starts for Star Trek discovery, mm-hmm. but like we've said, it's not on the screen that way. What's on the screen is damn good. And this is a first episode of a series is damn good. And, and again, to go back to what I said before, looking at it through, this is the first time I'm seeing it. And now looking at it through watching four seasons, it holds up unbelievably well i mean probably the best premiere of any star trek show in terms of how it holds up when you look at the scope of an entire run of a series it is breathtaking it's great the characters have not changed that much in the way that they are and the way that they act um and i thought i I think it's a great uh jumping off point for not only these four characters or two because two of them die um wow. off from, for, for them for the rest of the series i i agree with you completely um it's it's interesting to to watch back this episode um knowing what we know now about star trek discovery and uh it's it, it's kind of cool to see where it all began and to know that these characters that we've grown to really really appreciate um started here in this spot and they're already really good right there they are really good right there, right from the beginning. It's, you know, we've talked about how season one of TNG and and some aspects of season one of Deep Space Nine are just kind of like, oh boy, you, there, there really isn't that with with this season with the character growth and the character development that we saw, especially I think TNG season one. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. It's uh, everybody's solid and, um, well, I wonder what happens after this, Dad. <laughs> So I want to find out. Uh, I'll bet you there's going to be some galactic thing that could like destroy humanity and everything in the universe, and then it'll happen again, and then it'll happen again. Happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know we're not talking about the second episode, Battle of the Binary Stars, yet. No, no, but, no. Um, I have to say, that scene where she's in the brig and the ship just disintegrates around part yeah. of the, the brig and yep. the, the force field goes up, that is... That is some amazing visual effects. I'm just it is amazing. Speaking of visual effects and, and things, I do like how this takes place before 
TOS. And I love how some people like to just lose their bleep over the fact that there's holographic communicators in this era. Uh, we see the, the captain talking to the admiral by a hologram and, and the technology that wasn't around with TOS. We're now seeing um, in a pre TOS series. And I, I just, I love to laugh at those kind of things. I really do. I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, you know, when, when people would start complaining about, you know, the ship looks too... Yeah, too modern. Too modern, too yeah. too, too technological. It's like, you know, We're you can't really... That's it. It was 2020 or 2017 when this came out. Um, you can't make it look like 1966 because people just aren't going to take it seriously. And then people go, well, what about all those amazing fan films? I'm like, they're great. Um, they're, they're amazing. They're, you know, they, they look wonderful, but they're supposed to be set in that TOS mm-hmm. era on purpose. Yep. Um, can we just have to agree that technology, both in <laughs> in computers and in producing television, has changed markedly over almost sixty years? A little bit. Of course, it's going to look different. Yeah. It has to look different, and a visual refresh is not a bad thing. No, it's not. One of the things that I look at when a movie, like I'll use a weird example right now, like the Godzilla remakes. If you can get a movie like Godzilla where there's a monster going through a city and you can't tell that it's a special effect, that's a good thing. And that's what Discovery does. You can't tell that these are green screens. You can't tell that it's special effects and that it's post-production stuff added in. That's what makes a good show's special effects and, and stuff like that so good. And Discovery is an A-plus in what they do in that aspect. You know, there may come a day someday in the future where those effects may not look like they hold up. You know, we don't know because at the time we thought, you know, in the seventies that the stuff in the sixties looked pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, with technology and everything evolving that we look at it now and go, and eh, that looks like styrofoam. Yeah. You know, um, things are what they are. Everything will evolve. Everything will improve. Uh, the only thing I'm confident is that people will look back on this episode of Star Trek discovery decades from now and go, Damn, that's pretty good. I have to see how this resolves. Absolutely agree. 100%. And that's how this is supposed to work, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I, I'm i not pleased that Star Trek Discovery is ending. You know, I, I had hoped it would at least get seven seasons. I know that's rare in streaming these days. You know, but when I look at some other shows that just don't seem to go away, um, I, I thought that maybe it would beat the odds. So uh, I'm glad for five seasons there are five seasons we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Five seasons we'll get to endlessly rewatch, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that that's something that we need to have an episode of the podcast on to talk about the end of Discovery. I think I'm sad to see it end. I think it was a self-inflicted wound, so to speak, and that's something that I would want to get into in much more detail if we ever decide to do an episode on it. Um, I, I, I am very sorry to see it go. I think certain things could have been done in different ways that maybe it would have stayed longer. Um, but I'm glad that they have decided to go out on a high note and that it's not going to be something that was just canceled because it was horrible and nobody cared about it anymore. Um, so I think that that's something that we definitely want to do an episode of at some point. Maybe Maybe when season five is about to start or maybe when it ends. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We certainly can cross that bridge when we get there. We still yeah. need to finish season four of Discovering Trek. That's true. At some yes. point. Yeah, um, maybe we can do that for the five episodes in a row. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, our world did unravel right did. during that fourth season. A lot of unraveling. We're still kind of recovering from it. So yes. 
Um, we promise we'll get back to that at some point, but um, I, I feel like that I may have to download Discovery for the plane, quite honestly, <laughs> to go to Vegas because I feel like I need to rewatch the first season at least now. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's good. Because that's some, like I said, some pretty damn good television. I've been missing me some Lorca, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Jason Isaacs? <laughs> He's so yeah, good. You're just such a Mirror Universe fanboy. No, but I, I am a Mirror Universe fan, and I do like some of the things I did in the Mirror Universe with this in the first season, but I, I just love Isaacs. I think he does great. I, you know, I loved him in Harry Potter, and it's such a different character for him here. And then to find out who he is and what he is, I just thought it was great. Too bad we haven't seen him again either. Well, and I don't think we will. I doubt it. <laughs> People are like, where's Prime Lorca? Where's Prime Lorca? I'm just, I'm of the opinion he's dead. He'd be dead. I know what happened in the novel. I yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, but I'm of the opinion he's probably dead. Yeah. At least that's the shortest answer. And now that, unless we see him in Strange New Worlds, which I don't think we will. No. Um, I don't think we would. I'm left of, I'm forced to conclude that it'll never be touched on again. That's okay. I'm fine with it. You know what else I'm fine with, Dan? Oh, I think I know. I think I got five things I could tell you about it. Five reasons, and that's our friends, the band Five Year Mission. (laughs) Um, It's been a long time since we've talked about them, but you you hear their music whenever we decide to actually produce an episode of Trek Geeks. Wow, did I say that out loud? No, you did. Um, But we, we honestly couldn't have done it without them. They have been so key to helping us find our sound and and what this, uh, why people like the podcast, um, that it, it's the perfect music for Trek Geeks and for the other shows on the it network. Is. So we want everyone to go out to fiveyearmission.net, get all those CDs. If we've learned anything with the cancellation of Star Trek Prodigy, uh-huh. it's that physical media is important. Yes. Nobody can ever take it away from you once you have it, nope. unless you borrow it or unless you loan it to somebody like Dan and he never gives it back. But um, oh, yeah, that's right. Once you have that physical media, it's yours. Mm-hmm. So go on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get those CDs, ship them to your house, become a huge fan of this band, because I tell you what, they're doing one song for each episode of the original Star Trek, and it is awesome, awesome stuff. It is awesome. You will grow to love it just as much as I've grown to love Bill, if you can believe that. It may take a while, but you're going to love him. You know what else I love is this one character, Bill, I'm going to talk about. It. I haven't done this in a while, and it feels great. You know, when the Klingons needed a beacon of light... He was there. When they needed something to fight for and bring together warring houses, he was there. When they needed to bring back Klingon opera, he was there. When the sounds of glorious Klingon music needed to be heard throughout the quadrant, he was there to lead his people back to the true meaning of Kalis. For he is Farkuvma. And then he was killed by Burnham. Wow. <laughs> wow. He so did all those great things. Farkuvma. And then... I, I, I've got a number of problems here. Uh, <laughs> the first of which is your butchering of... Because remember, you know, uh, Shazad put a, an H on the end there. Just a, for some reason. Yes. And then Farkuvma. 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 We come in peace. We drum in peace. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Thank See, you. you helped with a Farkism, and now it's just that much better. I feel so dirty. Congrats. <laughs> I really do. That's it's, all I can say. Um, yeah, Farkisms. Didn't miss those. Oh, yeah, you did. 
No, you probably you, listen to them all the time because you have the whole library. No, I don't. So <laughs> don't forget, of course, you too can support Drek Geeks and all our podcasts on the network by subscribing to us on Patreon. And you get all kinds of perks. Dan, we've um, we've we put out a really special pin this year, which yeah. I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We've had some shirts go out. Yeah. But uh, through it all, we've had a bunch of great pe- people standing behind us this whole way. We really have, and and we just cannot thank them enough for all their support and all their messages of love and and uh, and everything that took place during the last several months when both you and I were were kind of like neck deep in and stuff. So thank you to all of those people, and I'm gonna. Uh, take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks right now, because we are so very grateful for their support. And they are, as always, Vikram Bhatt, Chad Clark, Corey Clay, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Brian Hackwith, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Ross McKinney, Aaron Mollenkoff, Helen Reed, Sarah Rutlinger, Tim Robertson, Desi Rogers, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, I'm almost done, Lisa Tomlinson, Ron Robel, Kaylee, uh, Kaylee Zawacki. I can't talk when I when I say her name. I just start smiling. Uh, and the um, I gotta say, I'm just gonna say it right now, Bill. I'm just gonna say it right out her front. The wonderful, the gracious, and the spectacular Connie Hutchins. Wow, we get more superlatives. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. All well deserved for Connie, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, and of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support as well. They are Mike Bovia, Steve Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig. Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonagall, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Casey Pettit, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Terry Schull, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the continuously cosmic Jude Tatman. One of the highlights of my adult life was meeting that young man in England a few weeks back. What a fantastic guy, Jude. You were the highlight of the trip over there, uh, over across the pond. I hope you're doing good. He is continuously cosmic, I must say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just sorry he had to be exposed to being around you in person. Uh, I'm really sorry, Jude. I, I, I... did no such thing. You too can become a producer on Trek Geeks, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other podcasts here at Trek Geeks. We have so many fantastic shows. They're just amazing. They're run by fans who just want to celebrate Star Trek and Gene's vision. You can find all our podcasts at trekgeeks.com slash listen. That's an easy place to go to. I go to it all the time. Trek Geeks. No one talks Trek like we do. No one. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek show, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. Dan, we'll be back next week with something. <laughs> Doesn't matter what it is. We're going to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Huh. Um, yeah, but for now, this has been episode number 301 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut duck and mock duck. Wow. I wonder, can you open a coconut with one of those newfangled batleth things? No, but I can with Klingon teeth. Okay. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. 
Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hi, it's uh, it's nice to meet you. My name is Bill. Hi, hey Bill, my name's Dan. Uh, what are we doing here again? I don't have any idea. Uh, it's a Shriners meeting. Oh, well, great. I got a mics to drink while we're at the Shriners, so maybe it's a mic, a Shriner mics. Is that like a Shinerbach? I'm really not sure. Have you ever had a Shinerbach? I've not. I've heard of it, but I've not had one. Um, you ever missing out? It's a fantastic beer. Okay, I'm not a beer person, well, but I'm willing to try it. I won't drink Guinness, not, that's for sure. But. It's, it, I mean, and it, it's a different kind of beer. It's a Bach. Mm. I mean, it's a darker, although Shiner is nice and light. Is it a Daemon Bach? <laughs> Sorry. I hate you. <laughs> now I know why we've only done one new episode this year. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Daemon Bach. Sarah Frankie with a teeth. Hello, Picard. <laughs> you killed my only son. Sorry. <laughs> I, love, I love how it, instantly when imitating the Frenkie, we all sound like we're trying to generate as much spit as possible. Hello, Picard. We're like that animal in the Ice Age movies. Pinecone. <laughs> I'll take your word okay. for that. <laughs> um, People listening know the four that might be that we have left. The ones with kids, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. You watch. We're going to get a message from Darren Metcalf going, <laughs> that movie rocks. Oh, the first Ice Age is fantastic. I love it. It's very good. Uh, John, again, I think John Leguizamo was the voice of that critter. I forget. It's a sloth. Okay. Sid the sloth. Yes. And he has a little, he talks like that. Sid the sloth. That's what you're going to sound like in about 10 years when you don't put your teeth in. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I get to look forward to that. Anyway. I'm not wrong. No, you're not. That's not at all. Thing. I'm not arguing. Nope. Nope. Anyway. That's, a, that's a first. That's first time for everything. Anyway. So how you, how you been, bud? It's been a really... Interesting last quarter. <laughs> uh, let's just go come right out and say it's been a shitty year. Yeah, it really has. Now, you know, when last we recorded our 300th episode, I feel like that was, you know, a year ago. I don't even remember. Was it like in point. February, I think? February or March. I don't even remember. Much later. April? It was like April? <laughs> yeah. April. What the hell is that? April. April. Robert April. I <laughs> love him in Strange It's awesome. Worlds. Yes. Okay. Um, you and I had designs to do many more episodes this year, more. like we always do. Right. Um, but between life and and family, and now uh, me being essentially an unemployed uh, jerk. Mm. Um, actually, our three hundredth episode was released on May first. By the way, wow, we went f- <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So we've done we've done three episodes this year because we did the um, Trek talks. Interviews, I, but that I doesn't count, count that because we didn't really doesn't do anything. Count. All you had to do was press the button, but it counts as a number on the list. So, <laughs> and then I'm talking new episodes. I don't count. This is our second one of the year. 
Happy it's a, almost July. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> but so you know what? Make a... I gotta say, I saw I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you know what's great? I was thinking of this the other day. And I wanna and I'm very sincere when I say this because we've had a lot going on. I think of that we've only done one episode so far in 2023, and yet we still have our Patreons and our followers and our listeners who continually send us messages saying, hope things are going well, hope things get better. I cannot say enough, and I'll say it when we do the actual recording, not here in the outtake, how much that means to me. That has been a shining beacon and what you have called already a shitty 2023. Yeah, we're gonna tag this episode as explicit. Yeah, probably a good so idea. Don't worry about yeah. it. Um, I'm I'm over, you know, cleaning it up and bleeping it. Yeah, <laughs> with the way 2023 is. <laughs> um, no, I I echo your sentiments 100. I'm in complete agreement. You said it perfectly. Um, you know, it's uh, but I'm gonna make this pledge right now, mm. and uh, you don't even know I'm gonna say this. Oh boy, here we go. We're doing all new episodes every week until Vegas. I think that's doable. Now, there's no think about it. I, well, it's doable. You're talking to me. I don't think so. I is doable. You heard it here. Mm. You guys might want to clip that as like a ringtone or something. Um, I don't think dancing. I don't think. I don't think. I do. I don't think. I do. I am. I don't. Th- I don't think you do either. Is there nothing more? <laughs> is this all? Sorry, I won't start quoting the motion picture. Just shut. Shut up. <laughs> it's been a long time. I got a lot bot- shut up. bottled up bottled up right there it's been a long time yeah getting from uh wow i can't believe you yeah. actually went anyway so yes i kind of went there i didn't really a little bit everybody everybody was listening was finishing the sentence for you with the same thing i'm just gonna tell you right that as i play with my fidget spinner right <laughs> gonna put that away now that, that sounded like silence <laughs> In the podcast, people are going to go. What, what is he doing? What, What's he why playing are they not with? talking? Dan actually was spinning a fidget spinner. Yeah, I found it. In that the, tells you. Yeah, he, he values the Patreons, but he's playing with a fidget spinner while recording the damn podcast. I, as weird as this may seem, I found it at my mom's condo when we were going through stuff. Really? Yeah. She probably had this. She probably used it for like a like a drink holder or something. <laughs> no idea what it would have been, but yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's going to my desk. <laughs> Technically, it could work as like a lazy Susan. Like, you could have put a small plate on there, like and a just peanut, rotated a meal around. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh goodness, like a little turntable for dinner. <laughs> That's a small dinner for like a hummingbird. <laughs> no, I mean you put the plate on. Oh, the I plate see. Yes, it will. Yeah, it would. God, you were so. I stupid. thought you meant the little things on the end here, these parts, not the big center part. I see. You're, what you're fucking idiot. I say what you're saying. <laughs> Boy, it's good to be back. Yeah, tell me. Every oh, week, you said, huh? Joy. Every week. Hey. Tomorrow, I get to have a follow-up endoscopy. I feel like I'm having one right now. Uh, <laughs> bend over, I'll show you. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll be fine. Wait, wrong. Ex- ex- wrong direction, pal. Wrong, wrong direction. <laughs> Jeez. That was a quote from Christmas Vacation. Yes. For those of you wondering why I said that to Dan. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I, I get to have a, a follow. I mean, my voice has really sounded kind of weak and gravelly, and like I'm losing it for, 50, for a good eight 50 months. Years. Oh, I'm sorry, eight months. Wow, have <laughs> you? Um, eight months. Yes, and and you know what? It's funny that you say that, and I'm being serious. I have noticed that the the yeah. the the, uh, the gravelliness. You sound like a gorn every once in a while. Thank you. <laughs> I think. I don't know. 
Anyway, that's okay. Or I though. sound like I'm losing my voice, or I sound like I'm going through puberty yeah. at times. It's time to um, change. It's, yeah, it's time mm-hmm. to rearrange. Yeah. Sorry, a little Brady Bunch there. Um, I'm sure that most people won't know what the hell that is. Um, there will be a few of you who do. Yes. And I know who you are. Yes, and I do as well. Um, but it's just it's silent acid reflux. Ugh, ugh. And it's causing esophagitis. The worst part of this, dude, is that I can't sing in the car. Well, your wife might think that's the best part of this. No, she doesn't she doesn't care either okay. way. Right. But like if I'm you know driving down the road alone or whatever and I put on some tunes, you want to be able to sing along with some eighties jams, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Voice doesn't work. I kinda well maybe my brother in law will get that then because his singing voice is just awful. <laughs> I gotta say. It's just it's 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 heinous. It really is. Maybe you'll get it. No, I'm good. People won't have to hear you talk. No, they can't. They they miss it. They've missed it so much. They're so happy right now. People are down, driving down the street with a big smile on their face and going, there he is. There's my farkism. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Sure they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all new episodes till Vegas. Okay. I, I can do what that. Do it's like what? The three weeks away? Four weeks away? Five? Five. Five. Five episodes. My God. We are five weeks till Vegas? Do we have five episodes worth of star trek material to talk about <laughs> well not a paramount plus we don't oh snap <laughs> hey bozinga yeah bozinga five episodes that's great of course one of them will be our world famous annual vegas episode where we pick an episode that's kind of like vegas slash gambling slash fun discussion like we've done in the Didn't past I have an idea for that this year? yeah but i'll have to look at the spreadsheet to see what it is because it's because the spreadsheet's pretty messed up we're supposed to be on Old. episode like 360 right now we're on 302 <laughs> <laughs> we only do like 40 episodes a year yes. so i mean um oh, on, on a good year on a good year yes on a good year good year um, tires there's something else i was gonna bring up. oh um so that means we're just a little over five weeks away from fan geeks party 2023 that's right oh i cannot wait for that millennium fandom millennium fandom it is going to be so incredible so incredible do you know what i'm going to do right now Mm, here we go or you know what i think we should do what should we do i think that before we post it on social media we should announce the third guest here in the outtake and not say a word about it after that for a couple of weeks so whoever gets this far (laughs) knows who the third guest is going to be i kind of like if they've turned it off because of your mellifluous tones? Ma- Come on now. They'll never know. But the thing we have to ask people is, please, don't post about it. Yes, that's very important. Yep. So uh, we're, we're going to ask you all just to do us a favor because we're going to conduct a little experiment here to see who knows. And if you know, you can you know comment on the episode or, or po- tweet at us on Twitter or whatever with just, I know. Oh, yeah. Hashtag I know. Yep. Hashtag I know. Yep. Okay. So that's the deal we're going to make with you all right now. If you hear this, that's uh, that's what just please don't share who the third guest is. Okay. I like okay. It. Yep. Um, so obviously our first two guests are Bonnie Gordon. Awesome. Star I Trek cannot Prodigy. wait to hang out with her. Great. Bonnie was at our booth all year yep. or all weekend last year at yep. STLV. Yep. Of course, awesome. the... The 
unpredictable and and wonderful John Billingsley from Star Trek Enterprise. I you can, can wait Fox. to hang out with him. He's kind of a turd. <laughs> <laughs> He's one of our best friends, though. Seriously. He really is. He's become a dear friend over he the really years. Dan, our third guest oh for God. Fan Geeks Party 2023, who will officially announce on social media in a few weeks. Uh, I'll give you the honor, buddy. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You, I nope. All right. No, nope. you, you loved her in three seasons of Star Trek Picard. We're going to start with that hint. She was in three seasons of Star Trek Picard. She is the one, the only Michelle Hurd. Michelle Hurd will be at the Fan Geeks Party 2023 during our live podcast at Millennium Fandom. It's going to be awesome. She's excited. We're excited. I might pass out. I'm going to drink. so so that's the news guys please again don't post about it on social media if you're going to reply to us or just tweet us i know or reply to the episode say i hashtag i know um we'll know that you got it but let's um for those people who may not get to the podcast right away let's not ruin it for them Mm. um we'll, we'll just we it's we know on the down low. How's right. that? We, we don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, should we say. <laughs> I got it right. I didn't screw it up by saying like the carrot on the stick first. I didn't screw it up. I'm very happy. I'm still going to pass out. I'm still going to drink. You're smart. You make things go. <laughs> Speaking of ready to go, you want to do some, uh, some news and then we'll do the show. Let's do some news and then let's do the show, yo. <laughs> All right. I'm going to... Uh, Uh, mute and clear my throat and then we'll go all right